the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, it's Ed Martin here. It's the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. If you're watching on Periscope, at Eagle Ed Martin, as some of our listeners are. If you go track it down there, uh, hey, there's Melissa checking in saying hi to Noah. There you go, Noah. Our technical director, Noah. Melissa, she comes for you. She doesn't come for me, by the way. I, I texted her and said I missed her, and, and Noah, she said, no, no, I'm, I'm not coming in for you. I can listen to your politics all the time. I want to see how my bow is doing. It works. So, But behind me, you'll see here, I stand with Brett uh, a sign and we'll talk later on in the program about how Joe Biden has decided that the uh, it's time to address the uh, elephant in the room or whatever you'd call it the allegations against him and it's uh, pretty ugly I mean his his appearance on uh, MSNBC uh, empirically not just my opinion because I'm not a huge fan of his it was just a very difficult uh, difficult thing for him to do I mean really uh, he had to take Mika actually asked him hard questions and he didn't have good answers and it was bad so we'll talk in a few minutes about with Eddie Scary of the DC Examiner uh, about that. And uh, he's got a piece up. And uh, yes, yeah, someone just asked on Twitter, can we listen to the full radio show live? You can listen to it live. Yes, 7 p.m. Pacific time. It is on The Answer San Diego. And the folks that are listening right now are listening in San Diego. In fact, uh, later on in the program, I will bring us full circle on what is going to impact uh, some of our universities in San Diego as well as across the country. And so uh, more of that later. But uh, the, the, the Joe Biden thing is, is terrible and uh, it's going to be ugly it's going to be bad but that's not what you need to know today what you need to know today is the growing um, unhappiness, the growing discontent that you're seeing among people who are saying, hey, how am I um, going to deal with staying home? It's too long. How do we get out? How do we go forward? And you're starting to see that uh, frustration. You know, in New York, uh, Governor de Bla- excuse me, Mayor de Blasio, uh, a frankly targeted uh, Jewish, Orthodox Jewish community members who were having funerals, and he went after them and, and really got hostile. He did apologize, uh, which is good for him to apologize, but it was nasty and it wasn't a good moment. Uh, people are getting frustrated, though. Michigan, people are going up there and going to the Capitol, and it's being reported terribly, unfairly, as this, uh, you know, great, um, uh, you know, kind of uh, threat and, and people and, and just poorly reported. Here's what's going on, though. People are frustrated and they're concerned. And President Trump today tweeted, hey, you know, maybe we should um, in Michigan, he was saying, maybe the governor should listen to the people and understand they're frustrated and see what we can do going forward. And he said, make a deal. You know, what we're seeing is governors are just putting down the law, dropping the hammer. They're saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. And and a lot of people aren't feeling good about it. And I think they're making mistakes. I told you there would be mistakes. We need to be a bit generous about it. But this is getting to be a bit of a problem. But here's what I want to talk to you about now. In the same line of thinking about how frustrated people are and how our leaders need to understand that and need to come up with ways to make people feel better about what's happening, not just tell them what's going to happen. I just want to point you to something. We're going to talk about it today. And we'll talk about it next week. And I want to lay this out for you because I think this is the most important uh, issue that has not been discussed in a big way. And that is this. Many, many Americans are impacted by all of this crisis at, when it comes to their kids. Many, many Americans, right? 
And so there's all these people that are impacted. Their kids are home from school. Maybe their kids are not able to go to work if they're, you know, just out of high school or college. There's a lot of people focused on their kids. But I want to pull in on the number of parents who are dealing with the challenge of their kids being home and having to do school for now by distance and then go back in the fall and probably deal with some, uh, um, you know, in and out and and, and whether it's going to be some challenges. But we'll see. But there is finally some reporting, and it's beginning to be reported in some of the uh, journals, in some uh, newspapers. The Wall Street Journal itself had a, la- a long, uh, long column that was started on the front page and went back into the into the, into the newspaper. I get the, the paper copy to my house. I'm one of the old dinosaurs that get a paper copy to my house, and that one was about colleges. And they said that the uncertainty of this uh, period is going to lead to hundreds if not more than a couple hundred, maybe 500, 400, we'll see, of colleges and universities shutting down, completely shutting down because people aren't going to go to college. They're not going to go back if there's uncertainty. They can't afford it because the economies hit their family and themselves. And so we have a huge number of colleges that are going to go out of business. Who does that benefit? This, I'm getting around to this. I'm sorry. It's taking you, I me mean, a while. It benefits the big colleges, the big state schools and the big universities with endowments like Harvard and Yale and NYU, and uh, you know uh, the, the the private universities of huge stature, USC and UCLA will benefit. But the smaller schools, and you know, I was looking at in San Diego because I have a friend who uh, attends that school. There's a there is a a wonderful school called Point Loma University, Point Loma Nazarene Nazarene University. It's been around for a long time, 1902. Those schools are going to be squeezed. And you, you, we have to fear for this. My point is to tell you that we saw the, the, the big $4 trillion of money spent by Congress to bail out Wall Street, big businesses, airlines, all kinds of people. And I am not for bailing out Harvard. I'm not for bailing out USC. I'm not for bailing out WashU. I'm not for bailing out private universities that have built their business model on the American higher education system and made a lot of money. But I am pointing out the problem. And here's the next problem. At the, there's an article that ran in one of the Catholic uh, websites. I can't remember now, but I'll post it about how many, many Catholic schools, K through 12, are going to close because they can't afford to lose 10 students, 20 students, 30 students. Same problem. In other words, same problem that if you have a, a, a economy stalled, parents can't afford to uh, go forward and pay for school and the schools end up closing. Who does it benefit? Public schools. And here's my point. The growing crush, the growing lack of control in our American lives, one of them is education, where you're stuck where you are because of nothing uh, other than geography, zip code. So, for example, in St. Louis, of which I'm most familiar, the St. Louis City Public Schools are just they're just an abject disaster. Doesn't mean that there's not good teachers there. Doesn't mean that there's not good administrators. But most of it is a disaster. I mean, in other words, there are always isolated cases of places that are good in any big setting. New York City, there's some good schools. It's true, but a lot of not good schools. The whole whole government school system has been deteriorating. And more importantly, parents don't have control. And now they see what they don't have control of. They're seeing their education systems bad. And here's my point. The government, and this is what you need to know today. The government has been picking and choosing winners and losers. Congress has. In the last three, eight weeks, massive spending. And you know who they haven't had policies for? The American family. 
I'm not just talking about the workers, the American family. So here's ideas. I'm, of course, I, and I've been on record for years. I'd be for every parent who has a child, the parent gets control of a, of a, a stipend that they can take to any school they want. If you're in St. Louis, you pick a number. Whatever the school system is going to pay per student, take 10% off to make it sort of incentivize the public schools to try to protect them, I guess. I don't know why you'd want to, but let's do it just for the heck of it. And then give that to the parents. Let the parents have control. Not the money, but the parents can control where the money goes. That's what I'm for. That's probably not realistic for a while. But here's one thing you probably haven't noticed. And this is what I want you to know, and I want us to come back to it. And we've got to watch this because the American people are sick of it. One of the policies that has been floated, Wall Street wants it, big business wants it, sports wants it, is that we return to the deductibility of any expenditures as business expenses when it's sports or uh, entertainment or out to dinner. And that way, businesses will want to spend. They'll want to go out to dinner because they can deduct it as a business expense. Well, here's what nobody said. I don't know why they haven't. Every nickel you spend on education for your child should be tax deductible. I'm not saying a tax credit. I'm saying tax deductible. It should be easy. If they're going to give big business the right to buy a box at uh, Bush Stadium or to buy San Diego, uh, San Diego Padres tickets or to buy a Lakers box or whatever, pick the thing. Or if they're going to give ta- businesses a tax deductibility of going out to dinner with five of their partners and spending $1,000, they ought to give the American family... The tax deductibility, if you have to buy books for your kids at school, if you have to pay tuition for your kids at school, if you have to pay the bus for your kid at school, anything to do with going to education should be tax deductible for the American family. Because if we're not going to have American family friendly policies in this time, we're going to grow out of this as a some sort of atomized you know, worker. And this is what the left wants. We're, we're defined as workers. We're defined as workers instead of defined as families. And workers don't work if they don't come out of somewhere and they got to come out of families. They don't pop out of the head of Zeus. So my, I, I'm, I'm saying right now, what you need to know is we have a blind spot in Congress, as usual, on lots of things. But in this case, for pro-America, fan, pro-America policies like helping us handle education. And the leaders that do that are not only going to save the country, they're going to be leaders going forward. You want to run for president? Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, all these people. Here's your issue for the family. All right, we got to take a break. We got to take a break and come back. We got a lot of great guests today on the show, on the radio show. We'll take a quick break. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro America Report on the Answer San Diego. Welcome back, Ed Martin on the Pro America Report. Hey, I previewed a few minutes ago on the. Uh, on the opening of the show, on the wink, what you need to know, uh, this uh, article that I, I, you know, so you, so you get up in the morning, I get up in the morning and I'm doing a little work, everybody's asleep, and so, I don't know, about 8.30, 9 o'clock, and I got to tell you, these good writers, Eddie Scarry's one of these, he's over at the uh, Washington Examiner, Selena Zito, I often tell this to, they're supposed to send me an email whenever they have a column up so that I don't have to be, you know, plow my way through to find them, and so he did this morning, and I, I think in these email, Eddie, I think you actually said, haven't sent one of these in a while, but it was very timely because I had not tracked the morning. You know, I used to tell the listeners, Eddie, that I get up and watch Morning Mika with Joe Scarborough so that my listeners don't have to, but I don't do it that often because it just, it makes me laugh and then cry and then just, it's too stupid. But, um, 
I had this piece from Eddie, and I'll put it up on social media. Joe Biden has blown up the Me Too problem that he, Democrats, and the media created. And this was my point, Eddie, was that, and you put it better than I did. You laid it all out. Forget it. I mean, Tara Reid, the woman that's accused him, she deserves to, to keep fighting for her, her pride and all. But Joe Biden has basically gutted the entire sort of Me Too movement's efforts over three years, right? Well, I would say it, it, it sort of even predates the terrorist thing. Whenever these these other accusations that were coming out against Joe Biden, which was, oh, he he touched my forehead, um, he touched yeah. my hair in, in public, I thought, okay, I'm sorry. This is this is by far. We thought the Me Too movement kind of, um, you know, as it started, it started out as noble as it did. It was a noble cause, and it still is a noble cause. It was completely hijacked by the social justice movement, which is largely the Democratic Party now. Um, and they turned it into a political weapon. We, we saw it kind of fall apart with the Brett Kavanaugh stuff. Um, we've seen it since then kind of struggle. But with this, when it came to the Joe Biden thing, and, oh, he touched my forehead at, a, at a, an event one time, and it was in public, but that's me too. I was like, all right, this is, this is really enough. This is enough. Um, but now we're seeing the other side. We're seeing where, okay, this actually looks like it. If it's not a legitimate case, it is certainly more, the Tara Reid case I'm talking about, it is certainly more legitimate than anything that has come up against Brett Kavanaugh, anything, any one of the dozens and dozens of cases um, the president himself has faced. Um, but so we're just asking them now, are you going to go by your own standard, which was believe all women, Joe Biden himself, that they deserve the presumption of, you know, that they are telling the truth, that at least the essence that they may not, they may not have the details right, but any woman who makes these claims, we have to believe them. Well, now it's now it's just shifting the goalposts. It's no, no. What we meant was no. You you can hear them out, but then we have to investigate it. They deserve scrutiny. Well, that's what we've been saying the entire time. That's what Republicans and conservatives and any normal person has been saying the entire time. Was all right. We'll hear you out, but guess what? We deserve to have a response. We deserve to look at whether the, the evidence is there. Um, but no, I think yes. In this case, we're just seeing the entire the entire sincerity, such that it actually was behind Democrats, behind so many in the media. We're seeing all of that collapse. They they never really believed in this. There was a complete uh, political weapon going back to the Brett Kavanaugh, and probably predating even that. Well, and is somewhere is someone staking out uh, a former Senator Al Franken's house to for to ask him what he thinks because he got thrown out, he got run, you know, run out of the Senate, you know, because he they they did they couldn't stand it and they were going to hold the standard and he must be watching this and just can't, not believing it, right? Well, there are two things with um, with uh, Al Franken's case. One, and we were, we were talking about this in my newsroom um, today, is that one there is evidence uh, the, the trend is clearly. Um, well, who's expendable within the Democratic Party that, you know, if, if they have to hold, live by their own standard, who's expendable? Well, Al Franken was expendable because they just got a governor to <laughs> appoint some new Democrat senator, right? But in the case right. of him, the, th- the thing was you had documented evidence. One, and for, first and foremost, you had him admit that he, he, he felt he had done things wrong. He said that, okay? When right. you admit it, there's no going back, even though... They try as try as they might. You can't undo it once you let that once you let the admission out of the bottle. Um, and two, there was uh, photographic evidence that he had done what this woman claimed that he did. Um, so I think that's a completely different case. But with the case with Joe Biden, we were initially looking at just a he said she said, and the standard was if it's a he said she said, believe the woman. But now we're seeing saying that we're seeing them say we saw it with Stacey Abrams, we've seen it with um, Kirsten Gillibrand, and when, uh, we saw it with Joe Biden this morning. It, no, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't believe them immediately. It was it was hear them out. 
and then we get to talk about it. Well, okay, well, where were you? Where were you two years ago? Where were you three years ago when everyone was saying the exact same thing? Well, suddenly they believe in um, due process. <laughs> having having a Democratic right. nominee who's been credibly accused of having perhaps sexually assaulted a woman that changes everything. Well, now now we're a little bit more thoughtful about everything. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's uh, we're talking with Eddie Scary, and it's uh, I put his piece up on my social media. WashingtonExaminer dot com is where he writes. Eddie, um, what, you've been around, you've seen this stuff, you're watching it, but I mean, the world seems so crazy. Not only the the Wuhan coronavirus, not only the the pre- Trump Trump's presidency, all these things are just different than ever. So uh, even as I say this, I think we probably know there's no answer. But what happens next for Biden? I mean, he, this morning you do an you do a if you're a political person, you observe you do an interview like this. You basically created two or three lines of openings, you know, that now the media, some media at least, is going to push towards. One is, you know, give the the Delaware search Tara Reid's name, right? Uh, you know, he basically said Tara Reid should have her voice, and I think she is going to get some of the national media this week. And I, but but where do you think this is going with Biden? Is it is it is he is he actually wounded in terms of the nomination, or is this just uh, fighting about uh, him for the general? He's wounded, and the thing is, what's what's very interesting about this, and I don't think I've ever seen anything like it, um, is that this is completely self-inflicted, not just by Joe Biden, but by the entire Democratic Party. They're the ones who set themselves up for this exact same thing. Um, Again, like I've I've written in my pieces, I thought that Tara Reid's account was fairly flimsy. But then you had the one person that, that came forward that was a neighbor of hers that said, Yes, I remember at the time she told me that something happened. I believe it because I, I remember her telling me at the time, which I guess was, what, 93? And she says, but yeah. even, even so, I'm still going to vote for Joe Biden because I hate Trump that much. I mean, that is, that is <laughs> something substantial there. So whereas I thought that this, the case was kind of flimsy, at the very least, there, was, there wasn't enough there to say that Joe Biden did this. Well, now you do have something that's, that's far more consequential than we ever saw with Brett Kavanaugh, than we ever saw with anything that, that President Trump has faced. Um, and it, it, it's obviously not going to go away. Uh, I don't think that he handled it particularly well this morning. I, I, I thought, I guess, um, he took some step in saying he wants the National Archive to find, uh, you know, and actually, if you look at the interview that he did this morning, he initially said, he initially said, no, I can tell you for certain none of this ever happened. But as the interview dragged on, I noticed something, and I might write about this later, but I'll tell you guys first. Um, you notice that she's actually saying, uh, as time goes on, it goes from, oh, this never happened, I can promise you that, to I don't know of any person who heard from her. I can't tell you yeah. of any person I know who heard that she had this claim. I can't tell you of anything I ever heard where there's a document somewhere. It became, uh, it, it went from unequivocal to very, very specific about, you know, well, I guess I, all I could think in my, in my head was if I was in what I'm thinking is, well, I guess something could surprise me. <laughs> and that's not yeah. the position you want to be in. So this, the story is not going away. Like you said, I think she's got a big interview on Sunday. Um, this, this is going to get, I think, a lot worse for him. But it, again, what's, what's so remarkable about this is that it's such it's a self-inflicted thing. This is not Republicans. Even though the media tried to make this, Republicans are coming after him. Republicans are trying to elevate the terror replay. No, no, no. They elevated the terror replay. Uh, we're talking with Eddie Scary, and again, DC exam, uh, excuse me, Washington Examiner, <laughs> WashingtonExaminer.com. Um, Eddie, the, uh, let me ask you the dynamic here. 
if they go to the archives and they find a complaint, let's say they do, right? Or they finally get to Delaware. I guarantee you the way he answered that question, the way they're doing with the Delaware thing, there, there, there clearly must have been a discussion. Somebody must have discussed this woman, you know, that woman, and there must have just been an intern. That, so they're going to have a hard time. Even, you know, my bet is even if there's not a back and forth between some chief of staff on she complained, there's going to be in, in evidence that she was there as a worker. And that's going to be help bolster the case that, you know, the Me Too people say is always access to be able to do it. But here's what I want to ask you is, do the Democrats really, could they really, I mean, are people seriously talking about replacing him? I mean, do they have a, an idea of how that could go? I mean, because doesn't Bernie Sanders say I was next in line? Uh, well, I guess, I, I guess that's possible. I, I know I, I, to your earlier point, I think that um, the, the question over, you know, they asked Biden, they said, well, can we go to the University of Delaware and look for, for the name? And he said, well, who's going to look for that? You know, <laughs> rather, if I if I was in his shoes, I would have said, "No, I'm not going to allow my opponents to dig. To, I'm not going to open up every bit of my life for my opponents to dig through and find whatever they can. Things that are to- totally unrelated to any of this. Um, this is a specific right. thing we're talking about. And no, I, I have no evidence of that. I'm, I'm letting the National Archive, which I believe they may have, if they were to have anything, they would be the ones to release it. But no, I'm not letting you dig through. But he can't say it. Instead, he comes up with these weird things about." Well, I don't know who I could possibly ask to do that, and it's going to take time. It's going to take two years, and blah blah blah. It's, it's a whole Hillary Clinton thing all over again, and it's, just, it's really <laughs> right. not looking good. I think uh, I do think that they have every reason to be nervous about um, about Joe Biden being the nominee. I never thought that this was going to be a cakewalk for Democrats. I think of coming off of 2018, um, they had you know some wind behind their backs, and they thought, oh, this, look at look at the energy that's on our side. Well, no, it's just. Even if it wasn't Donald Trump, it's very hard to unseat a sitting president, particularly when you had the economy that we had. Um, things are in a struggle right now. But Joe Biden, this, he has not really been pressed on um, anything he could possibly have done different uh, under the coronavirus epid- uh, pandemic that we're seeing now. I-, I wrote a piece just the other day. If you look at you know the whole thing about, well, Trump knew ahead of time and we could have done something. There's not a single Western European country that has a better outcome than we do. They have they have far worse outcomes that we do. We, we're looking at around 16 deaths for for 100,000 people. They're up in the 40s. There have been the 40s, 25 mm-hmm. deaths for 100,000 people. So we're we basically all got off on the same footing. Everyone was screwed over by China. Um, nothing could have been possibly done different. The only thing that might that Joe Biden under his watch could have been could have happened during the Obama administration was they could have refilled the stockpiles of masks that are so preciously needed right now. They use them all because, the, you know, under the uh, Obama administration, we went through two, not just one, but we went through two pandemics. It was Ebola. And then I think what the swine flu, there was two of them. Uh, there might have been right. a third, but they used all the masks that were put there by the Bush admin and then they never refilled them. All right. Well, Trump, yes. Okay. Yeah. He could have come in office and then said, Oh, let's refill these, but he didn't. But look, he was left with nothing. So don't don't look. If we're going to talk about Trump, we have to talk about Biden and what if he's going to say, oh, oh, look how great we managed Ebola. Well, you left us with nothing. So thanks for that. Yeah. Well, I think if everybody should do is go to uh, Washington Examiner and uh, and follow Eddie Scary on Twitter and uh, check it out because there's a lot. WashingtonExaminer.com is the way to go. Uh, thanks, Eddie, very much. we got to run and uh, keep us in the loop. Send out more emails, Eddie, with your columns. It's helpful for guys like me that need, it, need to be spoon-fed the good writers. So I appreciate it very much. I, I promise I will. Thanks a lot. All right, man. Th- thank you very much. Eddie Scary. we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. 
Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Our old friend, uh, Dr. Ted Malik. Uh, TedMalik.com. You can go to and, and check it out. Uh, Ted, welcome back. And uh, one thing I want to ask you before we get into any of the other stuff we're seeing is, you know, there's all sorts of uh, economic numbers and all sorts of questions, all sorts of things I need to figure out with you. But uh, you, when we last talked, I guess last week, your infrastructure, uh, long piece, kind of think piece, that laid out how you could go ahead and, and do a, a massive infrastructure build out and spend. Uh, what's any update on that? I know the Senate's coming back in a session. I know that the president made a comment on Twitter or made a, actually she made a comment in one of the press conferences about uh, how mm-hmm. we should spend money. All we spent trillions in, in, in fighting wars and haven't built our country, uh, our own country. What, what do you know? What can you tell us about things? Well, I know there's great sympathy for that argument, and I mean the president all the way back into, you know, 2015 and into 16, and you know, in the, in the early election, was clearly in favor of some kind of infrastructure bill, along the lines more or less of what I was spelling out. So it was a very Trump sympathetic uh, piece. Uh, I mean, the fact that he is a builder, that he knows the building trades, that he's been around this, that he's uh, very interested in re building America seems basically to bring all those lines of thought together. So I would think that, you know, in the coming weeks or months, there will be more emphasis on infrastructure, whether it's the fourth part of the pandemic or it's a standalone um, kind of process. Certainly if, if and when, I say when Trump is reelected, you'll see a great emphasis on that kind of rebuilding. I have to say, Ted, very few people I know are like me and they, <clears throat> excuse me, and they read Politico. I read Politico because it's, to me, it's the opposition mm-hmm. playbook, right? It's because they actually yeah. have a segment called Playbook that I think they make you pay for, which I don't get. Uh, I don't pay, but I, I read Politico because I really do. You can watch. It's, it's, I'd say this. It's a slightly more educated left playbook, lefty playbook. And, and I also read Politico.eu, which is the European Politico. And right. so there I was, and, and there was a, um, there was uh, I, I was searching your name about something else, and they had one of these massive hit jobs from back against you in in uh, in back when you were you know prominently oh, yeah. no, they, featured by the president. Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. They were uh, absolutely opposed to anyone who was critical of the European Union, which I most definitely yeah. was. And um, right, I mean they, they were hardly the only left of center or European outfit to be against me. I was made persona non grata by the European Parliament, which is still one of the prouder things in my resume. <laughs> well, and, and what I was going to ask you is, it reminded me to ask you about this. Internet, we're talking with Ted Malik and tedmalik.com, and you'll see, you can see his stuff over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, and all over the place. Uh, uh, the Gateway Pundit uh, often has some features of, of Ted, and also, Ted, again, tedmalik.com, he's got a number of books. But I was going to say, I wanted to ask you about that, because you're in London, you're American, you're identified as a very, um, uh, a, a a, someone who understands that President Trump well and has written about him in your your recent book um, is there is the fake news as bad in Europe as it is here? I mean, I know the answer is yes, but tell me how 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 it is there. Well, there really is only one news source basically in Europe, and it's all left of center. So you know you, you don't get a, a kind of fair and balanced. There's no Fox News. Uh, in Europe or in the UK. So it, there are some uh, smaller publications, yes, that you can turn to, but uh, largely the entire press corps is, I would say, radically left left of center. So that's the whole actus, uh, frankly, both on the continent and um, in the United Kingdom. 
Uh, there are political actors, you know, Nigel Farage, certainly the prime minister, who are more conservative, but uh, the press goes after them with kind of equal um, assassins' bullets. In, and uh, and Ted, we're now back to the economy because we're talking with Ted Malik, who's a yeah. businessman, and 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 uh, uh, the American economy. I know you're watching it closely too. Um, can you encourage uh, us that you see? I mean, uh, the president's always an optimist, right? He's always selling that, hey, we're going to get better, and it, it works. He's a master at it. But yeah, is no, the, he's a, he's a brilliant know, salesman, and that's you know how he got elected. If you listen to Larry Kudlow. I think you get a market voice that's saying basically the same thing. I mean, the Secretary of the Treasury has been on a number of times in the last week with a you know kind of robust message about the way the economy can, can come back. Kevin Hassett, on the other hand, who somehow got back into the White House, is just damn depressing. He, he makes it sound like we're going to have a, a depression and that we're never going to get out of it. I, I, I do think that... Um, when we begin to turn the economy back on, which frankly, in my view, should never have been turned off the way it was. The Swedish example is far more interesting and valid, uh, that we will see an economic rebound. It won't happen overnight, though. It is not a light switch, and a lot of people will uh, will still be unemployed. And those numbers, I, I see, have shot up in the United States, at least, to like 30 million people. That's, I mean, it's just an unthinkable number. It is. And how do we how do we think creatively about um, Ted about that restart? In other words, it's not a normal restart because the economy was stronger. It's got the fundamentals are better. And yet and yet and yet, as I said to somebody, you know, part of the psychology here is going to be getting the American people to understand not just that we're taking a risk. We all see that. But how do you do it? Right. How do right now? If you if you told my neighbors, I talked to them the other day, you know, in three months, we're going to go out to dinner. They look at you like you're crazy. And, and that that seems like a small thing. But that's, to me, an indication of changing the mindset's going to stay slow for a long time. And I, I don't know what we do to change that. You know, I don't know how we get that moving. Well, I mean, the, the clear ways we can change it are, one, to have a vaccine, which we might have. In fact, the very good news this week, we could have it even by September. I mean, nobody said that until this week. Uh, that would that would change everything completely. The other way would be to you know to do responsible reopening and continue some social distancing, but get back to work. I mean, yes. I mean, if you look at the statistics, you know there are an inordinate number of deaths, but they are all of them largely ninety plus percent of them older people who have uh, comorbidities. So we 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 basically quarantined the wrong people. We're talking with Ted Malik, and I, I agree with you. I think, and I, I think that the, the the question we have is, and the American people are not as as used to in some ways is this one's going to get better, but it's going to take time, right? It, it, patience doesn't feel like the best um, virtue uh, in this in this kind of time of Instagram and and instant uh, gratification. So that's the question. Well, this um, now, Ted, I don't I don't want to. It wasn't yeah, a business cycle recession, so it was, it was a government-induced recession. Uh, so, you know, it's, 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 it's very different. Um, yeah. Obviously, we're throwing lots of money at it to try to make it less bad or to bring some things back online. Uh, that will take time. Uh, I mean, you see some uh, European economies now coming back, uh, so we're in, in, in the throes of that process. I do have an essay coming out tomorrow I just wanted to uh, tip off oh, your readers to called Dare to Be a Daniel. I don't know if you remember that old Puritan hymn. 
uh, dare to be a Daniel, uh-huh. dare to stand yeah. alone, dare to make a purpose firm, dare to make it. Anyway, it was a great. Well, I take off on that, and I talk about the present day Chinese induced Wuhan pandemic and how it started with hmm. these colossal lies from the East. Uh, and the, the basically a dangerous Faustian bargain that our elites made with the Communist Party of Beijing. So if you want to look at that essay, it'll be up tomorrow in American yeah. Greatness. In a word, I say we were conned. Mm-hmm. Yep, that sounds <laughs> that sounds right. And I think you'll be the you're probably one of the best guys to write that. Uh, I'll make sure to put it up and we'll we'll push it uh, out to our list, too. Hey, Ted, I want to leave you without grabbing a, a thought on this. Flynn and Stone now you've watched again from mm-hmm. afar. You've been around. You've been around the game of <laughs> politics and government. You've been in and out of uh, you know business and academia. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I, your observations on what's becoming clearer on what what happened. Well, I wrote an entire book, uh, you know, on on the topic, the plot to destroy the presidency, you know, on 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 the um, crossfire yeah. hurricane. So I'm I'm on the record mm-hmm. on that. I saw it as a conspiracy. Uh, I called it the Red November conspiracy with Russia disinformation funneled and fueled by the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign. So I saw that early on. That's all coming home to roost now. Clearly. The great General Flynn uh, was uh, was was totally framed, and he should be totally exonerated. I think he will be. I, I mean, I, I keep I keep hoping. All right, uh, Ted. As always, thanks for the time, Ted Malik, and very important. He's got a piece coming out tomorrow. Watch for it on my social media and his. We'll put it up uh, and go to tedmalik dot com uh, to find out more on his books and everything. Appreciate it very much, Ted. Uh, stay well, and Good we'll talk you. again soon. God bless. Okay, thank you. All right, God bless you. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be back. We've got a lot more. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a minute. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Of all the Democrats who tried their luck at getting their party's nomination for president, It should be shocking that the diversity tyrants of the left chose two old white guys as the last men standing. While there may not be much diversity in terms of skin color or sex, there is definitely something different about Bernie Sanders. Crazy Bernie is what President Trump calls the 78-year-old junior senator from tiny Vermont, and the nickname isn't meant to describe a harmless oddball. Senator Sanders' excellent showing in early primaries frightened the financial kingmakers in the Democrat Party. Establishment Democrats raised the alarm when Bernie refused to apologize for praising the communist dictators of Cuba, Venezuela, and Nicaragua. Of course, that's not because Democrats don't admire the communist dictators, but rather the kingmakers are pragmatists to the core. They were just worried about the prospect of losing Florida, since that is the home to thousands of refugees from those countries. So that's when these establishment types set out to destroy Bernie's chances to win. Two of the high-profile Democrat contenders for the presidential nomination pulled out of the race within hours of each other after the South Carolina primary, and they endorsed Bernie's rival, Joe Biden. This was not a coincidence. It was the result of a behind-the-scenes effort to stop Bernie from obtaining the nomination. Quid pro quo was Donald Trump's response at a rally in North Carolina. Rather than investigate non-existent collusion by Russia for Trump, someone should investigate what may have been promised to the other contenders to abruptly withdraw and endorse Biden. 
The effectiveness of these conspiratorial withdrawals might have been hampered by millions of early votes that were already cast, but the intent was the same. They wanted to derail Bernie at any cost. Despite all these efforts, Bernie still managed to get major grassroots supports from Democrats nationwide. Before COVID-19 changed everything, Bernie was easily drawing thousands or even tens of thousands of people to his rallies. The two takeaways from this couldn't be clearer. First, never trust the establishment of either party. Second, don't trust a party whose grassroots supporters are falling for a guy who goes around complimenting communist dictators. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we think it's time to take Washington back from the power brokers. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're organizing a grassroots movement to stand against the deep state bureaucrats who control government. For the latest strategies, go to phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Uh, thank you for listening. Good good interviews today. Don't forget, go to uh, some of the folks that are watching. We're watching on uh, Periscope. Uh, I do the first segment of the show live on Periscope, and they were asking about, you know, where, where can they listen to the whole show? Of course, obviously, you listen live like you are, or get the show as a podcast over at TheAnswerSanDiego.com, and you can get bits and pieces of it. I'll put some pieces up uh, during the uh, during the day on social media. But uh, that Eddie Scary's good guy, uh, WashingtonExaminer.com. They publish a lot of Selena Zito stuff, you know, our great guest there so good resource to go and check out uh okay let's a couple of things to uh wrap up the week because we're going to be away from each other for three full days one of them is uh, earlier in the show uh i was referring to brett kavanaugh we talked with eddie scary about that um i have in my office here a, a placard from i stand with uh brett it says i stand with brett and a lot of folks back then you might not even remember how he was cruising to confirmation and it was like a week out and they dropped this thing on him and the media went into overdrive and really just and they dragged out the confirmation. It was really a torturous thing. And a lot of us sort of just out of fairness said, I stand with Brett. And I, I, I used to say, I don't know the woman that said this. I, I didn't like how she did it. I didn't think it was fair. I didn't think it was real, but I don't know. But man alive, it wasn't right. I tell you right now, there's a lot of people that were uh, yelling and screaming about Brett Kavanaugh that are now sitting on their hands. Alyssa Milano has gone through contortions in her um, in her uh, on her Twitter feed to explain how she is defending how she was uh, defending um, uh, attacking uh, Kavanaugh and now defending um uh, Joe Biden. So watch that. It's a terrible story. In many ways, a terrible story. But this weekend, you'll be able to see on TV, or you'll probably watch clips of it afterwards. Tara Reid interviewed um, by um, uh, about this story. So we'll get more. Hey, uh, one of our listeners tweeted, uh, excuse me, uh, emailed me, and you can always email me ed at edmartinlive.com, ed at edmartinlive.com, tweeted me the following thing. We were talking about General Flynn earlier the week, and they sent me this the detail here. There was a, a, um, Secret police chief under Stalin named Berea, B-E-R-I-A. And he is the one who is famous for the boast, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. And uh, he was uh, a work. Uh, he was under Stalin for about eight years as one of the top guys in the, in the gulags and all these things. But he um, th- that phrase was used as a ta- it was a tactic. And they used it. You know, they, they would say, find me the per- we got somebody we got to get. So we'll just find a crime for them. And that more and more is what it looks like with uh, General Flynn. That's what we were talking about. 
You know, one of the most damning things about this was it, it is now clear that Strzok was nervous that they were going to close the case against Flynn because they, in fact, didn't have anything on Flynn. The, remember, the initial investigation was whether Flynn was communicating with the Russians, whether he was uh, working with the Russians or, or had and whether he, and they by January 4th, 2017, just two weeks before, two and a half weeks before they were swearing in the president, the FBI said, yeah, go, we can close that. There's nothing there. And Strzok said, no, 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 no. Hold on. What about the Logan Act? Can we look at the Logan Act, which has, as Tucker Carlson talked about last night on his show, it, it's been around for 200 years. It hasn't, it's never been used to convict someone of a crime. And so Strzok was searching for a crime, searching for a law to bludgeon Mike Flynn with. And that's what they were doing. And so thank you for, uh, to our listener who sent that quote in. Uh, that was uh, a good quote and a good catch on that. Um, the uh, uh, former Stalin uh, police um, uh, chief, chief of, uh, of, uh, of the uh, police under Stalin. Good catch and uh, a great one. All right. Thank you, as always, for listening to the program. And don't forget, you can get in touch with me directly. You can email me, edit at martinlive.com. Many of you like to text. You can text at 314-256-1776. Go directly to my phone. I'm happy to get those messages from our listeners and you can also uh, go on twitter at eagle ed martin thank you as always to noah our fearless technical director and joanna for helping book our guests out of st louis we will be back on monday it's ed martin here on the pro america report thanks for listening (laughs) 